Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for our very special Premier League show. Uh, with me tonight, Mr. Jamie Rawls. How are you, mate? Um, I've definitely had better weekends. Um, not as that as, as, as the highs as last weekend, but I'm still here. I'll take my licks either way, um, but glad to be here as ever. Brilliant, mate. We, we, we'll come on to it a little while about that Liverpool result, but we, it was the last thing we said would happen on last week's show, but uh, that, that's coming. Uh, also here, because Liverpool have lost, <laughs> Mr. Graham Campbell. How are you, Graham? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, always good to be on, obviously, after a weekend of no analysis and match the day. I know the, <laughs> the listening public are obviously desperate for our top-class analysis of the Premier League. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, Colin's not here, here uh, tonight with us, but um, he would be absolutely struggling with that match of the day. I can, get, I can tell you all that. <laughs> It'll kill me for saying that. But, um, Jamie, let, let's let's get right into it then, because I said we've got, we've got a lot to talk about as, as ever. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Arsenal, the league leaders, um, which, looking on paper yesterday, was a really tricky game away at, away at Fulham. Um, but they got the job uh, job done uh, very early in the first half. First 45 minutes, game was won, 3-0 up. Um, I've got to say, I thought Trossard was the best player on the pitch that first half. I think, I said it at the time, he'd be a, a terrific signing. Um, I know a lot of Arsenal fans were a bit disappointed they didn't get Mudrick, but for the money they got Trossard, I think he's he's, he's proven his, his worth. Yeah, I um, I think we called it um, when we were talking about Arsenal's transfer business back in January. The, the Trossard one was... Arguably 
one of the most sensible deals that they probably could have done when they were talking about what kind of money was on offer for the likes of Felix and Mudrick. Um I was very surprised with Fulham, but I wasn't yesterday. I was very surprised in the fact of how how they were just so non-existent in that first half. However, um, they did call it a start that apparently every game that the lad Paulinho's not been available, they've actually lost. So that's the fourth game now that he's not been able to play because of um, because of uh, serving a suspension, um, and they've lost every single one of them. Um, it shows, you know, how important some of these players can be for them. Um, but Arsenal just feel like the juggernaut that's just not stopping right now, don't they? Um, it kind of kind of remind me when you go back to the, the time when Leicester won the league. You know, they just seem as a they all seem together. They, you know, the 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 way that they all interact with each other, the all the way they celebrate together. It's it's you know it's it means so much to them. Um, and I think it's, you know it's going to be very hard for for them to 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 not win this league. I think right now the way they're performing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll come to Man City, but I did, as I said, I thought that game Sunday had a real, you know, it was a real sticky one, but they didn't play like that. They played the team full of confidence. Um, they actually become the first uh, London side uh, to win their foot, to win five consecutive, consecutive London derbies away from home without conceding a goal. And <clears> they're breaking <throat> all kinds of records this season, Arsenal. Graham, what, what was your thoughts on, on Arsenal on Sunday? Um, and I think the big touching point, as Jamie just said, we've said it you know, quite a few weeks about Polina, um and how big he, he's been for Fulham. But um, how impressed were you with, with Arsenal? Yeah, majorly impressed. Uh, Fulham have obviously done really well so far this season. I think when you look back at Arsenal, they went in that wee run. Uh, they hadn't won in four games. I know that included... Uh, the uh, FA Cup and two of the games were against Man City, but when you go all the way back to that game against Aston Villa a few weeks back, where they turned that around to win full two, it's really been a catalyst. A few weeks later, they come from two back um, against Bournemouth to win with what a 98th minute goal. So I think obviously that's done a lot to really get the belief. Not that I'm saying there wasn't belief there, but I think that, you know, when, when you're winning these tight games, when you go away to Leicester in between that and win 1-0 in a kind of scrappy game, those are the games that do, obviously, cliched out my nut here, but they're the ones that win you, win you titles. Um, yeah, we've spoke out of business. I'm still not overly um, sure Trossard in the long run is going to be an amazing signing by any means. But yeah, he played really well at the weekend. And that's now Gabriel Jesus back. So obviously we talked about squad debt for Arsenal and I thought at the time, you know, that's one of those things when he when he went off injured um, and you saw how long he was out, that, that was going to be the thing that derailed their their title challenge and they've they've got through all that, still top of the league and, and now they're getting him back. So, you know, it, it really could really could now take a lot to actually stop Arsenal where, you know, you're looking at maybe it being tough for them and a bit of inconsistency, but no, absolutely fair play to them. It just depends how we'll see how they balance the, the Europa League as well, because there's a lot of tough runs in that, and we'll see how they balance that with with the, with the league. I would imagine they'll start to prioritise fairly soon, but that'll be interesting to see. No, definitely. And just, just uh, I know it's said about Trossard there with with a free assist, but but Jamie, I, I see today the, the debate going on on Sky Sports whether uh, Odegaard is is the the best midfielder in the Premier League. As it stands at the moment, what was your thoughts on that? Where do you stand on that? That statement? I I think I think that's a big call. Um, what I do think is he's playing 
arguably his best football. We forget how young he actually is, um, but he's actually well-traveled and well-seasoned, but he's he, he's looking really, really mature. I was very surprised when they gave him the armband, um, you know, when, when he signed his contract, but that's one of those master strokes that's actually worked really well for Arteta. Um, he loves the challenge. He loves to get torn into it, but when he actually plays the ball, you see how silky he can be. He took his goal really, really well yesterday. You know, just that wee shimmy to the side when you think he's going to shoot it and does two more players, and you think that's that's classy. The lad's going to be brilliant as he as you know he's only going to get better. Best midfielder, I think he's a bit off that. Um, just purely for the fact that um, he doesn't do every it doesn't do it every week. I could I could probably say Saka. You would always put your money on getting shots on target, getting these, getting them run a goal. Get same with Gabriel Martinelli. Odegaard, he's part of a midfield is probably the best way to put it, as opposed to an orchestrating, you know, um, a title charge. Not fair point, Graham. I'll ask you that. I'll come to you on that as well. Odegaard, are you having him as the the top midfielder this season? I think he's up there. I mean, it depends how you. It depends how you kind of. What what a top midfielder is to you because certainly I think he's the most influential when you're talking about someone who plays in their own team. I think if Arsenal were to lose Odegaard, I mean that would be a massive massive loss for them. So sometimes it's not all about how good a player they are, but how influential they are for the team they play in. I think Odegaard is absolutely unbelievably influential for Arsenal. But in terms of him being a player, I think it would be silly to say he's not absolutely top class. Absolutely unbelievable playmaker, and he, he can spot passes that maybe others can't. So, is he the best in the midfield uh, in the Premier League? I don't know. Don't know if I don't to to um, put my name to that, but I think he's definitely up there. Yeah, no, no. I just thought I'd, I'd ask that as one I see today. Um, he was given the captaincy at the start of the season, and I was a little bit surprised by that. But um, he, he's definitely leading with his performances. Jamie, let's let's get straight on to it then. Um, Bournemouth one, Liverpool nil. Probably the the biggest upset um, this weekend. I said, as I said earlier, we we actually joked about about this uh, last week that that, that the result of Wad and you said we're playing bottom of the league. Um, it was your words. Let's. I'll come to Graham on the ball on, on the Bournemouth side of things, but but it's only fair if I come to you in the, the Liverpool. What what went wrong for, for Liverpool on Saturday? Without without rehashing the same excuses I've had throughout the season. I think it's plain and simple. We expected to turn up and just get three points, and we didn't. And and I, I you know, I don't want to take anything away from Bournemouth. I think we said before it, Liverpool were really good in the first 10 minutes. We had a goal disallowed. Van Dijk had a header that got cleared off the line. We were very, very positive. But then Bournemouth started to put passes together. The boy, Utara um, and Billing, started to kind of run at Trent. They started to double up on him, and it became really exposed really quick. Um, Van Dijk, for whatever reason, shows him, you know, shows the boy Utara out to the side of the box, which is what you're meant to do, but then stops his run. I don't know whether he's thinking Andy Robinson's going to carry on the run, but he stops, which gives Utara that space to run in and put the pass in. And you just think that's. That's not a Van Dyke type, you know, type of challenge. That's everything just doesn't seem right at the moment. Everything from, you know, I'm not going to give Salah shit for missing a penalty. Um, he, he's not missed too many for us, um, you know, in the history of, of, of him being at Liverpool. Um, it was just so. It was just the typical example of the day. Um, we t- we typically expected the penalty to go in. It went ten meters wide. It's still going now. 
Um, we, we anticipated three points. We didn't even get one point. Um, the only stat that, that I would call it is there's two stats that are going around right now. One is that's the fifth time we've wore that strip and we've not won once in it yet. Um, so whether that's the curse of the strip, who knows? Two, um, we've played five um, half past 12 kickoffs this season and we've drew four, we've lost four of them and drew, sorry, we've lost three of them and drew two of them. So we, we're not a fan of the early kickoff this season. We're not a fan of that top. So um, I know Klopp in previous years has always ridiculed this fixture because of obviously the European football. I'm not going to say that that's the excuse, but uh, I think it's a classic case of we expected to get three points. We didn't do it. We didn't work half as good as we should have. Um, and all credit went to Bournemouth. Yeah, definitely. Um Graham, on a, on a Bournemouth side of things, what what a huge win! Um, you, you touched on it earlier there about their, you know, Arsenal's ninety eighth minute winner against them last week, and how they'd have been feeling after that after a really good performance at the Emirates, to be fair. But they've gone and backed it up um, with a big win, uh, getting themselves off the bottom of the table. And um, Billing Billing was the man to, to lead them, and he had a really good game on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think. Uh... Out of anyone on this this Premier League show, I've definitely been maybe the most critical of Gary O'Neill. Uh, I still think he's not a great manager. I think I still think Bournemouth are going to go down. Uh, I'm I'm not saying they'll go down without a fight. I think what the weekend showed, and yeah, at the Emirates is they do have you know a lot of team spirit. I think probably the players maybe are buying into Gary O'Neill. Fair play. Um, it was a it was a good performance, but it's one of those that you know Liverpool had their chances, penalty aside, and they had the absolute lines to share of possession stats. One of those days for Liverpool, I think, and obviously I didn't know that what Jamie's just said about um, their inability to to you know get the results from a half twelve the strip. I don't know how much that plays into it when I think of any issues with strips. I think I'm on you with that grey one. All those years ago, that's maybe the only time I've ever heard any kind of meaningful unluckiness with a strip. But look, it was a great result. Uh, I think the biggest thing that came out is obviously David Brooks for Bournemouth, who's back after like a year and a half after being diagnosed with with, um, with stage two lymphoma, uh, lymphoma. So I think that was that was amazing, and, and you know, I think that was that was a what a day for what a day for Bournemouth and, and David Brooks anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and yeah, glad you brought up David Brooks there. It's not something I've had sort of written down there, but um, what a player he, he looked a few years ago. And hopefully he can, you know, come back and start playing, um, so, you know, his best stuff again. But Jamie, I will end the, the Liverpool, um, this Liverpool chat. I still think you'll get top four, mate. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Well, I think I think our next four fixtures, um, yeah, you need to close your eyes if you look at those fixtures. Um I think we've got Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal in that order, either side of the international break. So um, I will just take, I said to you earlier, I'll just take a 5-1 win against Real Madrid and I'll be happy with the season can be done and dusted. Um, so yeah, I need the season over and done with. It, it would be so Liverpool to go there and get a result. <laughs> uh, it, it would be so Liverpool to go there and get a result, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah. but Graham, I'll, I'll, come, I'll come to you. Um, Palace, uh, Neil, Man City won. That was the late game. Saturday night, Haaland, 28 goals, um, got got him out of trouble. Uh, it was a real, you know, plan against the low block and I think they struggled for most of it. Palace looked quite comfortable at, at times defensively. 
but they've now uh, failed to have a shot on target for three consecutive games. And it's the, they're the first team to do it since 2004. Um, so it just goes to show how they're struggling for goals. Um, but a big, big win for City this one. Huge win for City. Kind of game where if you're an uh, Arsenal, Arsenal fan, you're just like, oh, going to fuck off. Like, it's one of those, <laughs> you just want you just want your nearest uh, rivals to drop points and they go and kind of scrape that 1-0 game, as you said. Um, they certainly didn't look comfortable, for sure. Uh, as for Palace, I mean, not just that they've now not, they've not registered a win yet in 2023. That's 11 games. I think we've spoken about them a few times that they really need to start gathering points when you look at the Premier League and how close this relegation battle is going to be. I really fear for Palace. Um, and I think that, you know, looking at their next couple of games, two or three games, I don't see how Vieira lasts that much longer because they are really in free fall. You cannot go into the middle of March having not won any games yet and be this close to scuttling with relegation and, and not expect any consequences. So, I mean, if I'm a Palace fan, I'm definitely feeling it a bit. And if I'm Patrick Vera, I'm thinking my time's got to be close to being up here. It's a really interesting point, Nat, Jamie. We, we, we've, you know, we've spoke about Palace a few times on, on this show and we, we've always sort of said they'll be all right. Um, over the, the last few weeks. But each week, you know, as, as Graham said, that's 11 games now without a win. I think it's five defeats, six draws. Um, so they're really, really struggling. Um, I, I actually, um, you know, I've, I've got my, on my mum's side, they're all Palace fans, but none of them want uh, Vieira to go. There's been uh, that, that, you know, that's that's one, sec- one section, but there's not a lot of Palace fans that I've sort yeah. of come across that are saying, no, no, uh, he's got to go, um, which yeah. is quite strange. What's your thoughts on Vieira and, and and this situation he's got here at, at Palace? I think I think the, the biggest challenge is, is that um, they campaign so hard to get rid of Roy Hodgson. You know the style of play under Roy Hodgson was uh, was really negative. You know playing with so many midfielders that kind of cancelled any forward play. I think with Vieira. They're so desperate for it to work for him, but the reality of it is, is they don't spend anywhere near the same money as anybody else. I think I've seen that. I think I've seen something the other day that they've they spent forty-one million um, over the last two seasons um, bringing in players. You know, we, we spoke the other day. Bournemouth spent fifty million in one win, in one window there. Um, not to say that they're getting anything better, but I just mean the, the the purse that they're playing with is totally totally different. What we did say, though, if you go back a few weeks, we did actually say that if Palace stay up, they're going to stay up by keeping clean sheets. They're not going to stay up by scoring goals. Um, games, right? They, you know, the, the next two games are Brighton and Arsenal. But after then, you've got a run of Leicester, Leeds, I think it's Aston Villa. Those are the kind of games that they're going to be expecting to get something from. I don't see Vieira getting punted. I really don't. Um, you said yourself, the fans don't seem to be on his case. Yet the, the acceptance that... They know they're not playing great, but I think they're, they're the same. They, they expect Palace to start to, to kind of start putting some together results. I think the fact Zaha's back um, will change that. The one thing I'll say about Palace, it's not like they get steamrolled by anybody. They've not been picking up, you know, they're not getting these chances, but they're not conceding loads of goals. Man City at the weekend, for example, you know, they... They struggled to keep that one nil. They they probably could have been two or three, but Palace were really good. I think it goes down to the keeper. The keeper's really good. 
ever since he came in, Guaita, um, he's been absolutely top notch for me. Um, the defense seems to do works well, and you can name the same defenders each week. It's not like they're chopping and changing. I still think they'll get out of it. They just kind of, it's kind of like um, Bournemouth at the weekend. They had a few games where they were in or out, in and out of it. They just need them three points. The moment they get three points, they could probably then put, put, get on the positives and kind of put a run together. Um, but I'm just looking at the fixture list now, and I think they've got they've got Brighton, Arsenal, Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Wolves. They kind of need to get past that Arsenal game. And then I think it, when they start putting that run together, they'll be fine. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think you make a really good point about, about the budget of Palace because I think it does have to sort of come into play. And, and the amount of players that they've, had to sort of renew because they can't go out and, and buy, you know, players that, that teams where, to be fair, they're, they're punched above their, their waist for quite a long time, Palace. Um, the, the type of club they are, I think um, the, the owner's always, Steve Parrish, you know, fantastic owner, but he's always been very open at that. And he always says, every year in the Premier League, we are punching above our weight and it's about sort of building on that. So that's probably where the fan pressure is not sort of toiling it is because they are quite realistic, which you don't get with a lot of fan bases. I think for me the the reason I say about Vera is because those runner games Jamie's just alluded to. I mean they've not won in twenty twenty three. I'll say again, and when you look at some of the teams that they've not been able to beat in that in that run, um, especially most recent, you're talking about Brighton, Brentford, Villa. These are still games as as good and solid as these teams are. That's a Premier League for you. Um, you need to be picking up points uh, in these games and. When we say the next one's Brighton, then Arsenal, Leicester, Leeds, that's the next four. Brighton and Arsenal are away right now. You cannot see them picking up anything. And then suddenly you go into Leicester, Omen, Leeds away. I don't think Patrick Vieira, and I, and I know what you're saying, you know, you live down south, um, part of your family's Palace fans, that side, that's fair enough. So you know, you'll know more about the in-depth. Um, feeling of the Palace fans and I do um, which is fair enough so I totally trust what you're saying but how long does that kind of good goodwill last with Vieira and four games down the road if they've still not won and you're coming into the games against the teams in the bottom half of the league that's where I think it will that's where I think it'll be interesting to see the Palace fans feel then do, do you not think do you not think see because of what happened with Leeds and Southampton when they got rid of their manager like that whole merry-go-round of trying to bring somebody in, do you not think that would scare some of them now? So I completely agree. You know, if Palace don't win four in the next four games, Vieira's on a, a tight rope. But who do they bring in at that stage of the window? They, they, you know, there could be that fear that they might just give it till the end of the season and see where the chips lie. I don't know whether that's just kind of skewed um, people's thought processes, if you like. Yeah, I don't know who they'd. I don't know who they would bring in just now. That's that's obviously um, mm-hmm. not something I've I've thought too much about. And obviously with Southampton Leeds, yeah, they both went with bizarre choices in Southampton. I don't think they've even made Celis official. I think with Palace, though, that can't really matter because how long does this winless streak go? You can't just give Vera till the end of the season because. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Patrick Vera. I think you would then hope for a new manager bounce. I think Palace have a lot of really, really decent, good players. And, and you know, at this point of the season, how tight it is down there, I think they'll need to make a tough decision sooner than later, unless they do an immediate turnaround, which I just cannot see when they're on this run. It's a, it's a really interesting one with Palace because 
Um, they've, they've under Parish as well. They've gone on the different type of managers. So they had Allardyce, and then they went Frank De Boer, that was a complete mm-hmm. utter nightmare. Then they went and you know went back to Roy Hodgson, and it was like they know they knew that he, he was the safe choice. And to be fair, he, he done really well there. Um, I thought Vieira done really well last season, but yeah, you're 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 absolutely right, Graham. I mean, it only that goodwill only lasts so long. Um, but I do, I get the sense that Palace are that type of club where it's. I don't think they'll be even in the next four. I don't think they'll be screaming for him to go. I don't think. I think that I'm with Jamie. I think that Parish will look at it and go, "Who can we get in here?" Because I think that there's the type of managers like your Dashes, your Allardyces, um, they're you know they're they're they're, they're, they're sort of a thing of the past now. Um, obviously, apart from from Dash. So where do realistically you go? And and I think it's you're taking that as you said that gamble to just get a sort of instant impact from a manager to, to get some points. I think they'll stick with Vieira. What, what I actually didn't realise now, I'm just going in 2023, just looking back now, Palace have only won one competitive game since the 9th of November. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously I totally get we stopped for the World Cup. However, that was still um, three, two, three games before the, the stop for the World Cup you're talking about. Since yeah. the 9th of November, they won one game. I mean, fair play to the Palace fans looking completely behind them, but I do find it strange the lack of time Frank de Boer got. I get disaster, as said, etc. But <coughs> memory serves me right. He got like four Premier League games. Now we're talking about Patrick Vieira, who's won one, one Premier League game in whatever it is, you know, 11, 12, 13 games. I, I just don't understand what, what I'm missing. But, hey, oh, I'm not a Palace fan, so good luck to them. <laughs> it is a very two different feelings. We'll, we'll come on to West Ham again a little bit later, but the two differences of managers and feelings around the managers are a night and day. But um, Jamie, moving it on, uh, Man United uh, dropped points yesterday against Southampton. Uh, really poor result for, for Man United, but uh, uh, maybe uh, you know Southampton fans will be feeling different uh, full time because uh, they missed some really good chances yesterday. Uh, before we sort of get into the game, I just want to quickly ask both of you: Do you think Casemiro's tackle was a red card? And, and yes, to- yes, yes, all day long. That's all day little- long. No, <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's completely completely a red card. Hundred percent, he wins the ball, but he wins the ball with his studs up. It catches the shin. I don't see how anybody can argue that different. I really don't. I, I think. Take away the fact he's two foot are off the floor. Take the take away the fact he's his legs straight. His shin, he, he studs the shins. You know, he goes over the ball. It's a bit of a bit of a knock on, but the fact he's actually doing that is a red card attempt, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Graham, what was your thoughts on that red card? Absolutely. Um, I've just repilled up as well because there's a there's a still picture. Obviously, I don't think I'll be able to show you guys, but there's just a picture of where he, he has went over the ball and his his um, studs are about kind of middle leg. It's like top of the shin, isn't it? It's like top yeah. of the shin, but yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, when you're looking at that, you know, immediately when you go over the ball like that, it's seen as reckless. I think probably for me, the only surprise was that. Um, the ref doesn't actually send them off straight away. So, uh, I think, I think he gave him a yellow, didn't he? Yeah, and he gave him a yellow. So, mm-hmm. I do think it was a red, and I do feel like we're here talking about Casemiro. And uh, 
I don't know, I feel like one of the last times I was on my thought night, Casemiro, um, <laughs> a bit silly. However, he is so vital. For, he is extremely vital for Man U. And I think Man U fans, again, they would cry out for somebody that, that goes and gets sent off a few times a season. But somebody as influential as vital to their team as Casemiro is. you got to take the bad or the good. Best stat of the weekend was Casemiro's last three Premier League games were red card, 7-0 and red card. <laughs> Not bad for player of the season, huh? <laughs> no, no the, the reason why I wanted to, to ask both of you is because I've seen it, I've read a lot. I know Twitter can be an absolutely mental place at the best of times, but so many, many Man United fans are arguing against it. And for me, mm-hmm. it's a red card all day. So, so, so the argument that i seen was that they were trying to compare it to Joao Felix's one um, in the Leicester game. And they're two totally different tackles, in my opinion. I the the Joe Felix one's borderline as well, in my opinion. Um, but it's a lot lower down. It's more towards the ankle, more the foot. Casemiro's foot should never be up at anybody's kneecap, just at the you know, regardless of what it is. So, yeah, I I, I think they're they're onto plums with that one. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't. And every you know, every tackle is different, and every incident is different. Uh, that bringing up other tackles is just typical, yeah. man. But but anyway, Jamie, on the actual game itself. Um, Southampton, um, as, as I said, you know, good point for them. That's three out of four clean sheets for their new manager, by the way. Uh, didn't realize oh, stealing that. my start. Oh, <laughs> I <I'm> prepped. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't actually realize that. So the Saturday, I was like, that's, that's you know, he, he's done well. But I feel, I feel like for them, it will be two points they should have had in the end with the chances that they they missed. Is that a fair analysis? What was surprised? So I wasn't watching the game because uh, I was watching. Um, I think I was watching the Arsenal game. It was on at the same time. Um, but I remember checking the Bet Three Six Five and you know the scoreboard, the, the the live scores. Southampton roll over them before Casemiro's red card. You know for shots and possession. Southampton actually went there and, and you know tried to put on a display. I was more impressed with that they actually had the balls to do that away from home, go to the Old Trafford against arguably one of the most informed teams um, and 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 in the league at the moment, and and have a go at them. Casemiro's tackle or not, I think Southampton did really, really well. Yes, there was chances at the end where they should have put them away and actually got themselves three points. I hate to say, I hate to admit it though, but they're starting to prove us wrong a little bit. You know, as as you said, three clean sheets out of four. Um, Graham's not a big fan of the manager, we know that, but they're starting to prove a lot of doubters wrong at the moment. Um, and it's, you know, it's 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 whether they can keep going on that. I don't know what their fixture list looks like. I think Graham sent it out earlier. Um, but the fact they're even keeping clean sheets, I'm more impressed with um, because that was probably their downfall. Um, I've seen a couple of the players... Um, recently who've been playing really good i've got i've got a lot of time for the lad in the middle of the park alvarez he's he's a cracking player him um i think he scored two games ago i think he scored um in the in the wolves game i think it was um he's he seems to he seems to have a bright future young lad writing about the challenges but box to box in his approach um and i quite like the other lads is it lavia um that he he seems to he seems to play well when he's got the ball as well um I don't know whether we're saying Southampton are going to be safe, but they're definitely put, they've definitely turned it up the last few weeks, um, which I'm glad to see because they were in danger of just free falling um, and kind of getting cut away from the rest. Um, but yes, they'll see it as a point gained, but they could have easily have had three points gained at, at the weekend. Absolutely, no, they, you're right. I mean, they do actually have some some good young players. I just think that experienced ones they've got, you know, Theo Walker, mm-hmm. for instance. When I see him play a strong goal yesterday, I just like. 
he's not scoring. And he knew he weren't scoring himself. So uh, <laughs> I think that sort of sums up Walcott. But, but Graham, on a, on a Man United uh, side of it, that's two really, you know, obviously last week's disaster result against Liverpool and then a home game against Southampton, which you expect them to go out and get three points. Can we truly say now that's them at the title race? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm not sure really like really who thought they were totally in the title race. I think they would have to go on a real uh, more of a run, certainly, to, to make up for a poor start of the season. I think that's not take away. Ten Hag's done brilliantly so far. Like He really got rid of Ronaldo. Obviously, that was a massive thing for the dressing room and morale. Really boosted, um, really boosted the team. But just a quick turnaround and and to have them where they are and, and you know performances in Europe. I know them obviously in Europa League, which is really strong this year. To put out Barcelona who are top of La Liga, I mean they are in a really they are in a really good place. And I think if you're a Man U fan, you will be excited for the next season or two because Ten Hag's really going to shape his team again during the summer and maybe get get uh, get rid of some more of that deadwood. So um, I don't think it was ever going to be. A league title season. However, they've already won the first cup available to them this season, and Europa League looks like a real possibility. Um, I think Man United fans should be pretty happy so far, to be honest. Um, I think they'll be gearing up for next season when it comes to the Premier League. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you're right. We, we said it a couple of weeks ago about Ten Hag, but um, I think that they're on to, uh, again, his recruitment the summer's going to be absolutely huge, who he, who he gets in and who he who he gets rid of. Um, but he doesn't seem like a manager that sort of is going to mince his words, which I think Man United have needed for, for a long time. But uh, yeah, and I agree with you in terms of the title race. I don't think they were realistically ever in it because Rashford's goals was always going to dry up at some point. And that's what was getting them by for a lot of them. A lot of them games. Um, Jamie, moving it on then. Uh, West Ham won, Aston Villa won. Um West Ham now unbeaten in 10 against Villa, um, but they could have really have done with uh, three points here. And the noise down here at the moment is that Moyes isn't going to last. Um, Jose Mourinho's name was getting thrown around a bit, quite a lot today. And I thought I'd throw that one in because I've seen it in quite a few group chats today. Um, would he leave Roma to come back to, to West Ham where they are? That's another question. But um, yeah, poor result for West Ham in all honesty. Yeah, I think the only way Jose Mourinho comes to West Ham is if he gets a permanent ban in the Italian league. If he keeps getting sent off, that he can't be allowed to be stood at the side anymore. He has to leave. Um, I, I don't buy the Mourinho thing. I, I just think he's so... He's not even yesterday. I think he's just so 10 years ago in terms of what his style is like. Um, I don't think West Ham fans truly want Mourinho in. Um, I think they're just looking for anybody but Moyes at the moment. Um, and we kind of touched on it earlier. You know, with Palace get rid of Patrick Vieira, who realistically they're looking at? Everybody keeps talking about Pochettino, but he's not going to come to a West Ham, in my opinion. So straight away you're going, well, okay, well, who's next up? And you're talking Zidane, Allegri. You know, these, are, these are people that are not going to come to West Ham, in my opinion. Um, I still think Moyes is the best person for them. Um there just seems to be a bit of indecisiveness with, it, with with how his team is playing. I mean, you know how West Ham are always going to set up, um, but the fact that they can't get strikers to score goals at the moment, um, you know, he, he actually, I think he said something quite troubling about uh, his new signing schemata the other, uh, the other day. He said that um, 
which is quite worrying that he, he does all the he does all the running, but his physical stats don't match up to where they expect him to be. So that tells you something's not right behind the scenes, and it's obviously he has been missing. Whether he's traditionally Italian and eating too much pasta and he's a bit bloated up, I don't know, but he just doesn't seem right. Um, that Moyes would be kind of calling him out like that. Um, but we said a couple of weeks ago when they won, was it when they scored four? Um, when Jared Bowen plays well. West Ham play well. When Jared Bowen doesn't get a good game, then they, they kind of all go missing. Um, I actually had Villa on my coupon at the weekend because um, I fully expected the, um, the West Ham to not win. Um, I was surprised they actually got the, the equaliser back in. Um, but a, a crazy start is that um, Barrino actually had, uh, was it Barami, sorry, um, yeah. actually had five shots on target. Um, that's not bad for a midfielder when you're looking at your bets and trying to figure out what to put on. So it tells you they're getting there, but for whatever reason, they're not going in. By, by the way, Ben Arama, I was actually got, got jotted down here. I watched the game yesterday. He was the best round of pitch by a country mile mm-hmm. yesterday. Ben Arama, he was really, really bright for West Ham, but um, yeah. they just didn't have enough. Yeah, Bowen, who was getting the goals from last season, goals yeah. are tried up. Midfield is just, you know, just, it's just again, just pretty, pretty average. Um, well, the, the midfield's traditionally they're not box to box. I mean, Paqueta is probably the only one that you would say is a more of a flair player. You know, Race is not a flair player. Sochek's not a flair player. Um, you know, you, you struggle to find where that connectivity is. Um, especially from attacking piece. That's why Antonio and everybody used to start doing well because they would be bombing on from the midfield up to the forward line. Um, but yeah, they're really struggling with a striker. Um, they're just not getting it right. Um, and big shout out to um, Watkins, obviously, um, for, for Villa, who's been doing absolutely brilliant. Leads us nicely then, Graham, on to, to, to Villa's uh, side of it. Emery, um, impressive. You know, I think it's one loss in six away from home for him. Aston Villa, they've, he, I said last week, he scored in every game. They've scored again. That was a good one for the, the coup on this weekend. Both teams to score. Watkins scores again. Um, what, what's your, been your thoughts on Emery and, and, and Villa? And uh, again, I think they felt a little bit disappointed they didn't come out with, with three points yesterday. Yeah, good. Good so far. Uh, I do feel like the amount of money that Villa have spent and the kind of um, size of our club where they are just now in the league feels right. I'm not sure, but we've spoke before how easy it will be for them to really push much further forward, um, maybe into the kind of top half of the table. But other than that, I, I'm honestly not sure what Emery's expected to achieve. Certainly, the results are more in line with what you'd expect when you look at their when you look at their starting eleven, when you look at their squad. And yeah, obviously, the the strikers are an absolutely flaming hot form just now, which helps. But yeah, look, Emery's class, and I, I do think it does give a nudge to some teams, maybe, when we're talking about, you know, teams that are thinking about getting rid of their managers that, yeah, maybe looking at a, looking at, a, you know, a, a foreigner with good pedigree could, could be the trick. I think when we talk about West Ham, I think some of those names that I mentioned are absolute fallacy, though. There is no way, no way that that is ever going to be the case. I think, under under Moyes, when you do actually look down into the results, they're not horrible. They're drawing a lot of games, but they are picking up wins here and there. I think just now it's just because it's so tight down at the bottom of the table. There are so many teams battling relegation. I think, honestly, unless you're in form like Palace, for example, I think 
some of the other teams at this point when you're kind of like West Ham picking up draws, the occasional win still in Europe. I don't think the board are going to want to sack David Moyes. So I think it will be interesting. And I think it's a case of who, who moves first down there because, it, of course, it's a gamble when it's so tight and no one's an absolute surefire to go down just now. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see what clubs are going to do. And it's interesting when we talk about Palace fans being happy with Era, but no, the other end, um, Moyes, you know, he can't, he can't do it right just now, maybe under West Ham. Um, fan opinion. So yeah, it's interesting now, as I say, look, the, the biggest excitement for me is this relegation battle and I really hope um, that it stays like this until the end of the season. Obviously I'm sure if I'm a fan of one of those seven clubs or whatever, I'm feeling utterly sick, but as an outsider, it's, uh, it's so good to see. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, absolutely. You make a, a really good point there about Palace and the West Ham fans. And that's, you know, said on both sides, so West Ham, all, all, you know, family and, and close friends of West Ham or, or, or the other side, so of Palace. So I do get both. And you sort of, I'm sitting in the middle going, they're deluded and they're, you know, they're mental. Um, and, and you're right in saying sort of the names that get thrown about for the West the West Ham fans. But I said, yesterday it made me laugh. Someone sort of local said, oh, we, why don't we just go and get Potch? Give Potch to the end of the season. <laughs> just like, you are absolutely bonkers. Um, that's what you live with. <laughs> that's what you live with down here. Um, but Graham, but I just want to finish on, on that because me and Jamie have done it over and over. Um, I think you basically answered it anyway there. But would you sack David Moyes right now? No, I wouldn't. And I know that. I, I don't know if, how, if I'm coming across hypocritical when I'm talking about I'd sack Vieira. I, I get it, right? But these are two very different managers. Moyes has a hell of a lot of experience and I think um, he has, in general, done a really good job with West Ham. I don't see under any circumstance West Ham getting relegated with David Moyes as a manager. I really don't. I think they'll pick up more than enough points to see them safe. I don't see. I can't say the same with Palace under Vera. So um, I'm not trying to um, be hypocritical. I just personally, I wouldn't sack David Moyes. But listen, that's just that's just me. Can yeah. just watch just watch just one thing for you, real quick. Just so I'm just checking there. So Palace are three points ahead of West Ham. West Ham have scored three more goals, but let in one more goal. But you'd sack Palace manager before you'd sack the West Ham manager. 
As I say, though, I mean, Moist, Moist, <laughs> has, has, Moist like, I know, I know, Moist does have history with West Ham, though. He's, he's done a lot last season. They did excellent. I think they did above expectation. And sometimes you can see it can be tough for, for teams to challenge, um, to, to be in the Premier League and go um, in Europe as well. And they're obviously in the last stages of the conference league as well. I just, I think he's got more than enough experience in, in looking at the form, looking at their next few fixtures. I think if they want rid of him, their next two fixtures, a couple of home games, very, very winnable. Certainly, you'd be looking at at least a minimum of four points. I think if he's going to go, then it will maybe be after those two. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm with you with this one, Graham, definitely. Um, in that side, I'd keep Moyes. Jamie, moving it on then. Uh, Leicester won Chelsea three. Uh, Leicester have lost their 16th Premier League game of the season so far. Uh, Rodgers' run continues. Um, not what they needed. Uh, again, they, they they just feel like they're just getting dragged in and dragged out sort of every other week at the minute here. But um, but we'll, we'll stay we'll stay with Leicester. Then we'll, uh, we haven't spoken to Graham in a while about about Graham Potter. So we'll come with me and you have done that over and over. But um, we'll, we'll stay with Leicester then. Um, Daka plays scored a really good goal. Um, by the way, they, they weren't terrible at the weekend. They they, they offered a lot more uh, in, in attack than they did the week before against Arsenal, but still just defensively nowhere near good enough. Which might as well is it. They're currently sitting 16th. They're the only team in the bottom seven to have not picked up at least a point at the weekend. Now, granted, they're playing Chelsea, but it's probably typical of what's happening with Leicester right now. We, we said that, you know, they're starting to get dragged into it. The Mermans are starting to kick in about, we're talking about managerial, like the, the, there's massive rumours about Brendan Rodgers at the moment. And, 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 the crazy one I heard is that apparently they're looking to appoint Jamie Vardy as player coach for until the end of the season because of apparently the, the hierarchy in the club are not they're worried that why Rogers is suddenly not playing him. Probably got something to do with the fact he's like 47 years old um, and, and probably only scored about three goals a season. Um, but it looks like Rogers is trying to trying to do without Vardy and play with any actual and darker and co. Um, when in reality, it's probably Madison that controls how well Leicester do on their day. Um, the the Faye red cards just kind of put the nail in the coffin for the remainder of the game, really. Um, it's one of them ones you could have seen coming the way he was kind of lunging into the challenges. It was just a typical um, defender trying to try, trying to trying to catch the ball before it went past him, really. Um, but I think the writing's on the wall for Rodgers at the moment. I think they're in massive danger of, I think, the two points out of out of uh, away from Tottenham, Southampton, sorry, um, 22 and 24 points. Um, they just need to get Madison or firing, in my opinion. Um, and it won't, it won't, excuse me, it won't help them with all the rumours going around about Brendan Rodgers' future. No, I think we both said last week, didn't we, that we he won't be there next season, whatever yeah. happens. Um, but yeah, yeah. Funny, funny enough, he was funny enough, he's the one. I was shocked when I heard it that apparently he is the second favourite to take over at Tottenham. Bonkers. That's absolutely bonkers, in my opinion. But for some reason, um, apparently Daniel Levy's got a hard on for him. Um, so apparently there's, uh, you know, he's second favourite to take over at Tottenham, which would absolutely astound me. It just goes to show at the minute, in terms of managers, there's not... You're trying to pick managers at the minute for it. It's, it's a struggle. Any So even at the top... You're going, mm. who's available? And even, even you know, we're talking about Pochettino's, etc. 
you know, for, for your big club, big, big clubs, you're still going, he hasn't won anything. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rodgers at Spurs in all honesty. It would not surprise me. Graham, on the Chelsea side of things, um, how have you sort of... What, what's your thoughts on, on, on Graham Potter's Chelsea? Um, they went into a game at the weekend with a run of eight away win, away eight away games, easy for me to say, without a win um, before that one. Uh, you know, for Chelsea to go that long sort of summed up their troubles. But um, they put in probably their best performance of the season. Um, well, I, I say of the season under Potter against Borussia Dortmund midweek. I thought they were very, very good. And then they backed it up with you know a three-one win away from home. Yeah, I think we'd said um, before about Potter that you know for someone of Potter's stature um, in the game, the kind of comings and goings in, in January with some of the massive egos and huge transfers that came in, it, it was potentially always going to be difficult for him to, and whether that was a case to, to to win over the dressing room or if there was just too many egos or the squad was just too heavy, he also had injuries to contend with. Obviously, from a Chelsea fan point of view, they wanted to see results turn around. Of course, they did because of the players they brought in, because of the money they spent. I think I I personally do like the important. I'm glad to see that their owner is giving them time, um, and it does sound like um, from other sports that he's invested in that is something that he does with his coaches, and I think he's smart to do that. I think they maybe potentially wrote this season off from a Premier League point of view, but have kind of given him the benefit of the doubt and want to see how he does, especially to the end of the season, and give him maybe um, a good whack of next season. But that's now three wins on the bounce, including turning around a deficit in the Champions League against um, a strong Borussia Dortmund team. So I really do think it, it could be on that for them, although I think we've said that a few times. A few teams, you think they're going to start picking up wins and they'll go on a run. For example, Leicester, they've now lost, say, the last five games, but before that they'd won four and five or three and four. It was something like that. And you think, right, they're going to turn that around. So I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a wacky season in that. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, there's a lot of surprise results. Um, but I do fancy Chelsea to... I, I don't think anyone would have thought Chelsea are going to finish 10th. I think maybe a, a sixth or seventh for them, maybe in a strong end to the season. But we'll see, certainly, from a from a point of view of liking Graham Potter, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's turned that around because I do think some of the some of the stuff getting aimed at him, especially from the media, has been a bit harsh. No, no, I agree. I just think it's going to come with what Abramovich built at Chelsea. I know he's not there anymore, and you make a really good point about the, the current owner. I just think that's what's come to you know what's happens at, at Chelsea. Um, I watched the extended highlights uh, the weekend there, and uh, I just think Kovacic is such a good player. I just think he's he's it's just it's just injuries. If he's fit every week, he is top top notch, and and he makes such a difference. And I, I need to say that Harvard's goal, I. Enjoyed that very much. That was absolutely class. And I think, again, he gets a lot of criticism, especially the role he's given within the team. He's very much the... He is essentially number nine, but we know that's not that's not him. That's really not his game. And Chelsea, of course, crying out for it. But, but for him to step up, and that, that finish is absolutely something he can do in it. Oh, it was so class, so tidy. Brilliant to watch. Yeah, it really was. Um, just want to get, you, you know, both on Havertz and Kovacic, just want to see it, see it more. Um, Jamie, moving on then, Leeds, 
two two with Brighton uh, this weekend. Um, we said we said about Leeds um, the week before. Just need to get goals. They got two, but they they also conceded two, and they could have conceded more. Um, Brighton. We actually spoke in, in in length last week about Brighton's home record. Uh, I think they've lost lost one in the last six, but their their away record. They've got the best current run of away form in the Premier League at the minute. Which um, which again, when I see it today, I was like, you know, they're they're absolutely flying. But but Leeds drop into the relegation zone, and again with. You know, I do think I know there's there's probably eight teams I've said this about, but I do really think Leeds could go down this season. I think I think one, the one thing that Leeds have got going for them, and you know, you said to it is they do score goals. Um, we thought they might struggle without Rodrigo, but then Harrison pops up, Bamford pops up, so they like to make a mockery of us. Um, whatever we try and predict, um, but whilst they're scoring goals, they'll be within chances of getting three points in reality. Um, they always, you can tell the way the way they go about it, they, they have that, that, that philosophy of if you score two, we'll score three, and try and go out with that attitude. Whereas Palace, for example, are totally different. Palace are all about keeping it tight, keeping, it, uh, keeping your shape, don't concede, leads to the exact opposite. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised to see them drop into the bottom three, but I think that's more to do with the other teams than it is Leeds. And I think Leeds will be typically yo-yoing in and out, very similar to what West Ham have been doing. Um, I think while they're scoring goals, I think they should be fine. The moment the goals will dry up, they're not picking up points, in my opinion. Um, but I didn't see a 2-2 coming. I thought Brighton might have got a sneaky away win because of the run that they've been on. But again, 2-2 doesn't surprise me. Um, and Harrison's goal was um, an absolute pillar. Um but again, he's another one that just doesn't do it consistently enough. I think two seasons ago, Jack Harrison was like arguably one of the quickest, um, you know, getting quickest in the league at the, and getting assists. And he was in about everything. But for some reason, he's just kind of went off the boil. Um, he kind of needs to get that rhythm back. Um, Bamford's now starting to put a run of games together. So he kind of needs starts to need to get that as well. Um I don't think you can say much more about Leeds. I think as long as they're scoring goals, they should they'll still pick picking up points. Um, I'd be more worried if they weren't scoring them. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And and even Bamford's goal, I, I had to watch it back a couple of times. I didn't realise it took a a big deflection, but there's something about a goal that hits the bar and goes <laughs> in. It it just looked um, incredible. But but Graham on a, on a Brighton side of things, um, they were obviously. You know, watching the game back there, they were disappointed to come off the pitch to, to draw two, which goes to show how far they've sort of come. Um, the player that I picked out is Alex McAllister. Um, do you think he'll be there uh, next season? Because um, I, I, I think he's got a big move coming. I think if Brighton's transfer record has anything to go with, then no. Uh, they do have a nice hobby of losing all their, their best players, but somehow continue to kind of punch above their weight despite all the outgoings from the not just their team but obviously the managers the uh, sporting directors etc so obviously the the highlights from match the days we mentioned earlier weren't weren't the most in-depth uh, and i didn't see any extended highlights for this game but from what i'd taken from it uh, brighton should have been long out of reach for leads and probably a really big point for Leeds uh, in the long run. I think what you're saying about Leeds as well um, I mean they got Javi Grazia it's, I, I just don't understand what's going on when we talk about the managers and managers appointments I, I don't understand what they're thinking with that 
I mean, yeah, okay, I'm sure they'll be hoping it proved up, up, up proved right and, and high on them, but I, I do fancy that, yeah, it's hard. There's a lot of clubs down there, as we've said, but yeah, Leeds are in real danger like the rest of them, but I don't know, man. Xavi Grazia, I just, I don't see how he turns that. He he puts together a a run of, a run of wins that are going to keep them that are going to keep them up. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But look, Brighton, yeah, brilliant. And and as you say, I guess for them it's just all about keeping keeping all their best players. But I, I don't see it. No, no, no. I'm the same, and, and I'm with you as well with with Garcia. That I just thought that was a mental appointment. Um, crazy agreed to it in terms of he probably won't get the job next season, whatever happens. But that's a that's for a different podcast altogether. Um, Jamie, back to other action then. Newcastle, big win for them yesterday. They beat Wolves 2-1. Um, again, I'm going to do the same as I did with Casemiro. I'm going to come to both of you with the big talking point from that game. Should Nick Pope um, have given away a penalty? And also, should he have been sent off? Absolutely speechless that that wasn't given. I think I, I, just, I don't get it at all. Um, if that is any other player, any other part of the pitch, it's a straight free kick. The fact it was in the box means it should have been a penalty. The fact it was the goalkeeper, I, I just don't get that at all. Um, I heard a narrative that apparently because of Howard Webb's direction, which is they want less VAR, they want more on-field decisions. So because it wasn't clear as day, they wanted to stick with the ref's decision. In my opinion, the ref bottled it and waited for VAR to try and help him out. So that completely negates the fact of what he was trying to do. I think any ref looking back at that will be absolutely stunned to understand how he even got to that decision. Um, I think it was arguably worse than the one he did against Liverpool when he clawed the ball back in. Um, but yeah, to me, he should have walked. Um, that should have given Newcastle an opportunity to get back on back on level. Um, I was massively surprised um, and, and, and you know what? See when you see it live, you you, you go you, you straight away. You go, oh! See when you watch the slow mo, and they always say slow mo make it worse. So the slow mo was where you catch, he drops the shoulder in. Yeah. You don't see that real real time. It's only when they do the slow mo, he drops the shoulder in to body check him, which means he completely meant it. So yeah, for me, that's a red card. I'm stunned he didn't give it. Um, but a big, big, big win for Newcastle. Um, the last win, uh, the last goal was on the 11th of February, um, scored by Almiron against Bournemouth. So, you know, wasn't just about the three points. It was actually about getting them back on, get, getting the goals back on, on for them as well. Um, so um, a good day all round for Newcastle, but for one, for me, one very lucky. Absolutely. I've got to jump in on the on the penalty. Look, I think, yes, he's lucky, but I actually think when you look at the slow-mo, I actually think it's a, a bit of a defence for Hope because if, if you look at that slow-mo, I really do think that... Um, Jimenez throws himself more into Pope than anything else. Like I think if Jimenez doesn't move like that, he gets the ball and he scores. I think Jim, do you think a that's wee... a free kick anywhere else in the pitch? I'm, by the way, I'm not saying it's a I'm not saying it's not a penalty. Uh, I'm just saying that <laughs> um, I'm just saying that I think when you look at the slow-mo, it it's not as I don't think it's as damning as you've just made out. I think Jimenez Genuinely, I think it's a penalty, but I mm. think Jimenez could have could have got past him and scored. That's what I'm saying. I okay. think there's a wee bit of 
I thought you were trying to make a case for it. No, it was just, I'm no, like, no, no I'm sure saying it's not. not as damning um, the replay. I honestly think Jimenez could have actually got past Pope and scored. I really do. I think, uh, yeah, it was a howler, absolutely, from the ref, uh, etc. But I, I do feel like it's one of those Jimenez could have actually scored from. But there you go. I actually said that at the time. I thought Jimenez was obviously just, which players do, he's just trying to get the penalty and ascending off and he. Is it, it, that's what he's tried to do? But I, I think you, I think you're spot on. But it, yeah, it's definite red card for me. Um, I, th- I think you can tell by Pope's reaction as well when he sort of yeah. looked scared at the referee. Um, and he looked, he looked dodgy yesterday with the ball at his feet. Um, it was a couple of times before it wasn't it, where he he, yeah. he he lost the pass out, he kept out of the touch. But that would have been him, the same as Casemiro. He would have been banned for the next four games, which really, really would have put Newcastle on the back foot. No, absolutely. And Graham, just, just on the game itself, um, Jamie said they're a massive, massive win for, for Newcastle because they've been they're sort of struggling um, since the, the World Cup. Um, they, they've, they've gone back to fifth after that win yesterday. Um, the player, again, I picked up with this one was Trippier. Some of his deliveries are absolutely top draw and they look dangerous from, from every set piece, whether it be corners or, or free kicks just outside the box. You've just got that feeling that they're going to score from it. Yeah, he's he's got a smoking hot right foot on him. Uh, for sure, his set pieces are class. I honestly think that's what's kept him at the top level, um, certainly at this point. I'm not overly certain there's too much more about him in his game, personally, and especially his age he's at. But yeah, no taking away, like he's, he's dangerous from, from set pieces, for sure. And yeah, as you said, a big win for Newcastle. They've been on a more kind of poor and consistent run. But again, they've already been over and above expectations this season. I think if if you any Newcastle to be asked look getting to a cup final and actually challenging for the top four, I think they would have looked at that um as a really successful season. I think it would the proof will be nipping next season because again it'll be interesting to see how their summer window goes and, and kind of what players are going to uh, bring in. Some of the people they've been linked to have been really interesting. So I think it's a big summer on them and then we'll see what them and Eddie Howe are really made of next season. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, a bit of big win for them to kind of get them back on track and see how the rest of the season pans out. No, absolutely. I thought um, just to finish on the game, I thought Wolves were quite dis- I was quite disappointed with Wolves yesterday. Uh, to be honest, I expected it. Uh, to be fair, Newcastle were good for, for spells, but I thought Wolves didn't really trouble them. Didn't really have a lot in the midfield. I thought they were pretty, pretty average. If, if I'm being honest, I think Big Dools has got a little bit of work to, to do there. I think um, I, I think I said a few weeks ago when we were talking about um, Lopetegui that I honestly don't think he'll be in the job longer than maybe a twelve to eighteen months. I think that they looking at their fixtures. I honestly think they could go down. I don't know. I've just got this feeling. I'm not overly impressed. Yeah, they've had a couple of reasonably impressive wins, but I don't know. I'll be interested to see how they they get in the next few weeks. But I'm not. I'm not convinced by them. I agree. I don't think he'll be there long term. Uh, not at all. Um, I, I don't see it with him. And and as I say, I was pretty disappointed watching them yesterday. Jamie, then last game of of, of the weekend. Um, Spurs beat Forest three one at home. Um, pretty. Pretty comfortable, uh, to be honest, for, for most of the game. I think Forrest had a bit of a spell last 10, 15 minutes where they had, had a go and 
backboard and, and missed the penalty. Um, but but Richarlison's still waiting for that first first goal, and he thought he had it um, after about four or five minutes Saturday to be able to rule it out. I thought this one was a bit harsh. I got to be honest with you, I, I, I watched it a, a couple of times. Um, I, do you know what the big thing with VAR is? I just see that striker's got to get the, the benefit of giving the goal. Offside, offside's offside. Like. <laughs> I've got no sympathy for Richardson at all. Um, he spent three minutes doing the the shush um, emotion yeah. after scoring the goal, and then it got wiped off. And you thought, so "Oh, he's getting shushed now." I just felt sorry for him that he ain't scored a goal, and he celebrated for a good six minutes, and then it took the <laughs> AR ten minutes to give him offside. It was. Uh, I'm starting to feel sorry for him, to be honest. No, I, I, if anybody, I feel sorry for Dan Juma. Um, go into Tottenham and, and, and literally I think he's played a bit I think I said last week he's played something like 54 minutes since he joined um, he's really not getting um, a, a shot at all um, I, I didn't know it before the game but there was a lot of talk about Nottingham Forest is absolutely terrible poor away form um, and so when you look at that on contrast of where they were going I wasn't surprised to see Tottenham actually score uh, and win um, what was surprising was that actually they scored more than one goal and they could be seen it through comfortably um, which is probably what Tottenham have been struggling with is you know holding on to leads or just getting nicked um, after a nil-nil so to score three um, they, they, they seem to have had a bit of a good day but even that, you go back to last week when they lost, they still at the ball something like three or four times. So it wasn't like they were never creating chances. Um, I think Forrest were absolutely dreadful from the from the highlights that I've seen. Um, and I didn't realise the stats were as damning as they were, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I think that's Conte's first win and since... I think in, in about a month or something um, since he's been uh, obviously off. So um, a much a much needed win for Tottenham, uh, especially considering after Liverpool drop points, um, Tottenham needed that. Um, but I think any any sane person would have always put Tottenham on to win that game before it anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think I had I had Spurs three 0 so the late goal I was a bit gutted with. Um, Graham, you know, Spurs there, good win for them. Kane double, Son getting on the score sheet. But for Forrest, I think last week I said to, to Jamie and Colin that, that I I seriously think, uh, again, like many, uh, are going to get dragged into this quite quickly. Um, they, they they remain winless in their trips trips to London, uh, which probably ain't the biggest surprise. But what was your thoughts on, on Forrest? And, and are they one that, that you can see sort of going down? I know you just mentioned Wolves there, but what was your thoughts on Forrest? Absolutely, I could see them going down. I've probably, I'll, I'll probably have said and probably will say that about. Uh, I think in my mind, there's five teams that get relegated from the English Premier League this season. Wacky season indeed. No, as, as, as I look honestly, it's so enjoyable. And this is why when I look at all the teams, all the fixtures, I really do think I'm like, wow, they could get, yep, they're getting dragged in. Wow, yeah, they're, they're in the runner form. Wow, they're really inconsistent. Forest, they had this really good spell more in the, the middle uh, I don't know, tail end of last year start of this year, really good results, looked like they were starting to click the insane amount of money and player turnover they've had, suddenly they've, they've won one out of nine in all competitions they're on really really poor form I don't know I don't know, they really <laughs> it's, a, 
it's another one you don't do want to keep saying the same thing, but again, you look at the next two or three games, because how tight it is, they need to start picking up points um, sooner rather than later, and, and you just hope if you're them, that gives you that spark. They certainly have a really loyal, good fan base, um, and the city ground can, can certainly get quite rocky, so I think that will be a big big help for them, but yeah, like like any other team, will be interested to be interesting to see um, how they get on, especially in the next few weeks. So, so important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Forest's home form has been what's got them where they are at the moment, and there's no doubt about that. Away from home, pretty much just sort of write them off uh, when, when they go away, away from home because their away form has been pretty poor. But Jamie, sorry, I, I've missed out your favourite team there, Everton. Um, they they got a big big win against Brentford at the weekend, um, and reports are it was their their most complete performance um, under Dice since, since they beat Arsenal one uh, 0 as well. Uh, Dwight McNeil scored an early goal, um, and, and 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 they weren't you know as I said Brentford were pretty poor, but but it was a typical Dice win for, for them um, and question marks with them because they've, they've, since that sort of little flurry had early on they've they've been really poor. Of late, so that was a big win from uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think I think I called it last week. The biggest change that's happened in the last three games is that Andre Gray started the match. Um, he's so forward thinking. He runs at defenders. Um, he gets them up the park. He actually had a goal ruled out at the weekend. Um, so um, that was against Macuton because I had Brentford on for that as well. So, but Brentford for some reason were really, really shot shy in my opinion. Um, they they really didn't look as though they were clicking at all. Um, they kind of they kind of they let the Everton crowd get on top of them and just kind of you know when Everton get involved. I think the last time they did that was against Arsenal. The crowd get involved in a twelfth man and and you just see everything goes Everton's way. Um, and you know I'll say it again. Everton's biggest problem is the fact that every time they pick up a point, so does everybody else. Um, you know they they they've got a big big win at the in my opinion at the weekend, and I thought. <sighs> I'm going to have to go on this body pod and eat my words. And then I seen Southampton get a point. <laughs> I seen Bournemouth get three, you know, Bournemouth earlier got the three points. You just think, nah, they're still not getting out of this. Um, you know, and I still think that the, the, the biggest crush they've got at the moment is that they've played a game more than everybody else around them. And they're only three points from the very bottom. So, again... We've, Graham's already called it. It's a bit of a wacky season. And it's not wacky because there's crazy results. It's wacky because nobody's tailing off. It's wacky because everybody's put, taking points off each other. And I think that's going to be Everton's biggest downfall going into the end of the season. No, I, I, absolutely. Um, I do think, I'm going to throw my neck on the line here. I do think Everton will, will stay up just about. Um, Graham, what's your thoughts on, on that? Uh, and also the goal scorer, Dwight McNeil. Great finish, but just doesn't do it enough. Yeah, I think it's interesting when we speak about our, our poor form. Everton, they, yeah, they didn't win in three, but they've had seven league games under Sean Dyche, and now at 21 points, they've taken 10 points. Fourth game at Goodison under Dyche, that's their third one now win. It is the most Sean Dyche thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, three of them, three um, three wins out of four, three clean sheets. Everton are going to be absolutely brand new. And I think, especially going into the next season, looking at what Dyche did with, with Burnley at home, I honestly believe that Everton will push a mid-table and above next season. Happy for you to quote me on that, purely because, you know, just going by a lot of ex-players um, that have played in the Premier League, nine at nine I, th- I think 10, it's more the nine, fixtures, isn't it? 
No, but nine out of ten say Goodison's the hardest place to go. Um, especially the crowd behind them and the way Dice gets Everton playing, they are going to be so unbelievably hard to beat. And I think that's that's what it's going to be for the rest of the season. So Everton are going to be fine. I do not see them going down. I think they will start to pull away. I get what Jamie's saying about other teams picking up points, but as I say, they've picked up 10 out of the last 21. If you keep that going, they'll, they'll breeze it, to be honest. And I, and, I, and I do think they will. I think it's more the next three fixtures. They've got Chelsea... Tottenham and then Manu back to back, and I think you know if, if other teams do pick up around them, it's 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 that whole trying to kick the gear again into it and try and start it again and get that form back on if they don't take anything from them. Yeah, I, I do get that, but I, I honestly don't think that's going to absolutely plummet their motivation or, or, or their morale. I think yeah, they'll go into those games, they'll maybe have a target of picking up a couple of points, but I think they'll look at the long game for the rest of the season rather than the, the immediate targets. And I think, yeah, that even if they if they don't pick up those points, they're already in a relegation dogfight, so to speak. So uh, I I think they will I think they'll they'll be one of the ones that you'll see pull pull away sooner rather than later. And they've, and they've got Bournemouth on the last game of the season. That could be the dogfight. Ah, Bournemouth will be down already. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Vieira will be the manager of Bournemouth. <laughs> I, they must have been sort of still so flat at five o'clock Saturday night uh, where they, they, they've just got a big win, but also Bournemouth have just beaten Liverpool mm. as well. Um, it happened when they when they beat Arsenal. They beat Arsenal, and then um, it was it. Um, they, everybody else around them got three points, and you just and they just think yeah. he's a break, you know. So <laughs> well, yeah. even even yesterday with with um, Southampton getting a point, uh, yeah. Trafford, that would have been that would have been nailed on there. United, oh, we'll win that. We'll, put, we'll start pulling away from them. Then bang! <laughs> but that's just the Premier League this season. Um, and gents, that is the you know all the games we, we've got through. Um, but as always, we finish on a little. A little question to to to, uh, to ourselves and, and hopefully all the listeners can can give us what they think as well. And this week's question is: um, Who has the toughest run um, from twelfth to twenty to running from twelfth to twentieth? There's five points from twelfth to twentieth, which is absolute nuts. Um, so, Jamie, thanks for coming on tonight. Um, who do you think has got the, the toughest fixtures? You know, who, who are you looking at going there in banging trouble with? I think, I think Bournemouth, because they're so erratic with how they go about their game, whether it's keeping clean sheets or whether it's actually scoring goals. Um, for some reason, Bournemouth have just always stuck there for me. Um, I think Southampton, the fixtures are going to work against them. I like I've, I, I picked them up early and said that they've done really, really well. It's just how long is that going to continue for? Um, and, you know... Looking on paper, Palace have got a tough run of fixtures, but I think it's only tough if they don't start winning them. Um, I, I, I think Leicester could be the one that could get dragged into. We sit Leicester are dragged into this, but I think unless they start putting points on board, I think Leicester have got um, in the last three fixtures: Liverpool, Newcastle, and West Ham. If they don't get themselves secure, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much going to be a tough one for them. Yeah, and no, I'm just just having a look through again myself. Um, j- uh, before I sort of give my Graham, what, what, thanks again uh, for coming on tonight, mate. What, what, what's your thoughts on the, these fixtures? Uh, who who are you looking at, Gan? They're, they're absolutely done. 
I guess, like, um, despite me probably saying five or six teams are absolutely done, like <laughs> I said, uh, I do, I do honestly looking at the fixtures and you're talking about the last um, 12 games, um, 11 for, uh, um, for Everton. Forest really do have it tough um, for those last 12. Mm-hmm. You've kind of got of course, they're, they're playing the least teams in, in this seven-team relegation dogfight, so to speak. But, I mean, they've got Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. You've got Liverpool away, Man United, Villa away, um, Newcastle next game, Brentford to no mean feat away from home. I really do think that, um, just looking at that, they... I mean, they could really... They could go down as... <laughs> it's so hard. Like, you, you just don't know. Anyone pulls a bit of form, but I think Forest are Forest are looking like the toughest. Certainly running from 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 my point of view. I think if you are Crystal Palace, you're looking favourably at theirs. However, when you're on their form, what's it matter? Yeah. <laughs> There's some like some belters of last days that potentially could work out because you've got Palace and Forest, you've got Everton and Bournemouth, you've got Leicester and West Ham. Like if if you know if if they are not clear. Come that point, you know, that last day of the season. Yeah, that should be fun. What a running we've got here, by the way. What a running. We, never mind never mind the top four, top five, top six. It's all about <laughs> it. This is where it's all happening. Um, no, I, I agree with both of you, to be honest, boys. If I, if I had to pick sort of anyone's fixtures out where I'd be quite worried, would probably be Forest and Southampton. If I was sort of looking at it going... I think you're going to struggle, but then you could make a case for for everyone else. Um, they've as as we've already touched on tonight. Palace continue not getting shots on goal; they're banging trouble. So, uh, yeah, listeners, uh, get get your comments in. Who, who, who do you see, um, you know, going down, and how do you think it's going to pan out? Um, as I said, the the top end of it still still a lot to play for, but tonight we've we've mainly touched on the relegation battle um so we'll be with you next week to go through next week's fixtures as well uh, just like to thank my, my two guests for tonight and thanks everyone for listening take care hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.